0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Ravens owner Steve Bishotti, he recently gave one of his rare interviews And he opened up about the role he played in signing new Ravens wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr.
2: Yeah, that's right, Sarah. And he also talked about the patience that was required throughout the Lamar Jackson contract negotiation process. And he was effusive in his compliments for head coach John Harbaugh, who all of a sudden has made it to year 16 at the helm in Baltimore.
1: I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Thursday, August 10th. And this is your morning ravens update from inside the vault presented by this episode's title patreon sponsor who is supporting us Sheru hashmi all
2: right so former nfl offensive lineman turned national analyst ross tucker we just shared one of his pieces recently when he sat down with former strength and conditioning coach here in baltimore steve saunders but Ross ain't buying what the 2023 Ravens are selling, Sarah, and his questionable takes had some within the Ravens flock fan base running hot on Wednesday. Also, former Ravens Super Bowl winning wide receiver and our guy, friend of the show, Kadrius Mael, will drop by for his practice reports.
1: Plus, there's still more. Defensive tackle Broderick Washington, he cashed in on a contract extension, and now an official offer has been submitted to free agent... Jadavian clowning.
2: Can you tell this is a jam-packed episode? We have all of that more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the morning vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes.
1: All right, Bobby, we obviously have to start with Raven's owner Steve Bashotti. Uh, it's just rare. It's super rare to get interviews from him. It used to be that maybe you got him once a year. Now that's not even guaranteed. And I happen to stumble upon his interview with uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio. They were at Raven's training camp this week, I believe on Monday, and they interviewed a ton of people. We might get to other pieces of the interviews uh, in later episodes, but we have to start with with owner Steve Bisciotti. And just to let listeners know, Bobby has heard nothing that we're about to play. Uh, Obviously, you have to have a subscription to listen to this. So I got a few audio sound bites, and I thought it might be fun to get uh, Bobby's raw reaction in addition to some of my reaction to to some of the things he said. So obviously opening things up, they talk about with Steve the the offseason and how productive it's been. And you could just hear it. Bobby, I'm telling you, you could hear it in Steve's voice. He's like, oh, yeah, it was a productive offseason. Talking about Lamar, OBJ, Zay Flowers, the draft, everything. He seemed pretty darn happy. And so they started off with who else? Lamar Jackson and uh, the the negotiation process that was going on. And Steve, I wish I could get all these quotes in here, but I'll just summarize this part. Steve is just like, talks about how much he loves Lamar. You know, calls him a kid. Uh, obviously, for this, the owner, these older guys. Everybody on the team is is a kid, even some of the the more uh, experienced veterans. And uh, he jokes about how the first half of the off season, you know, the whole thing had ruined Steve's golf game. If anybody knows Steve Buscemi, he loves he loves playing golf. I'm sure that would be a dream of yours, Bobby, to play play with him. Uh, so jokes about, and then maybe we've ruined we ruined the beginning of of Lamar's you know off season too. He's like, so we're even. So. Um, And he talks about the timing of it and the patience that was involved.
3: Glad we got it done before the draft because we certainly would have had to, um, you know, we would have had to backstop somehow. Yep.
4: And uh, I'll quote Kevin uh, Colbert on this one when he was doing Ben's a couple of years ago. I go, man, this thing is getting out of control. And, you know, he said, yeah, it's a good problem to have. Mm -hmm. How about all the teams that don't have a guy they want to pay? That's exactly right
3: yeah and and what, what that's what he was out there facing is that somebody was going to have to outbid us and we just we knew it wasn't going to happen yep. so we just had to be patient
1: there we go bobby so this is so i get your raw reaction but the first thing he did said is what we've heard a few times now which is that the draft was a legit deadline it was a legit deadline so now that i've heard john harbaugh say it and now that raven's owner I'm now wondering and almost feel like they probably communicated that deadline to Lamar. What do you think?
2: Oh yeah. I think so too. That makes a lot of sense. And then listen to the, you know, the part where he was essentially like, look, nobody was outbidding us. That's that's (laughs) The first thing that kind of caught my ear, like, cause we, we were wondering, you know, if, if, Gosh, if some of these sleeper teams that were out there or quarterback needy teams were willing to give up like the kitchen sink for this guy, what were the Ravens going to do? They were going to be in a vulnerable position. So to hear that from Steve, I mean, that, that was, they were never letting this guy go. And so <laughs> to, to hear that kind of reaffirms what so many of us thought. But there was a lot. There was room for doubt throughout a process that was what, two plus years running, three years running. So, Yeah.
1: Well, and it's easy to talk about patience now that he's already signed, but when you're in the middle of it, there was no patience in in Raven's Twitter or among the Raven's flock at all. So anyway, then they're like, hey, Steve, why don't you – we really want to hear about your involvement with Odell Beckham Jr. Okay, Now, maybe people don't know this, but it's very, very rare for Steve Bishotti, if ever, to get involved with free agents – um, in fact, I can just say after working there for 13 years, Steve is really hands off. He really likes to empower his employees to do their job. So it's like, all right, what what changed here? How did you get involved with OBJ? And here's what he had to say there.
4: Your experience talking to Odell. I'd love to hear about that.
3: Yeah, I, it, it was funny because um, when we were when we were doing it, uh, I, 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 Eric was updating me on everything and i just said to him do you want me to call him and eric started laughing and he said like you've never asked me that before to talk to a free agent and i said well you know he's he's great and he's sitting at home so somebody's going to get him yeah. and so i called him and um, i was just struck by his maturity his good manners and it was like i got off the phone and i said to my wife like damn that that's not the conversation I expected to have with this guy right. you know and so it kind of was like we didn't want to get off the phone and then I was like well let me talk to Eric and then uh, I'll call you back and then we'd talk about golf and then we'd talk about football and then we'd talk about his legacy and talk about the hunger that he still has and it was like yeah we really really need uh, a leader like this. And I think some people scoffed and thought a leader is he. And it was like, no, I, after a few conversations with this guy, I was like, no, this dude is a raven. This is a veteran raven. This I, is love, the guy that th- he- I
4: love this because he won you over while you were trying to win him. Yeah, over. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He really did. And like, I, I, um, I would have soured on him if, if he, if he showed a lack of humility, uh, I really would have, and I didn't get it at all. It kind of went the other way, and I was
2: nice. like, "Damn, I just got a good feeling about this guy." You know? Wow. Look, everybody knows I was one of them. Scoff is like a strong word. I was one yeah. of the ones that was a little bit concerned about the fit, lifestyle-wise. I, I know I've mentioned that probably at nauseum at this point, but that was that blows me away. He's he's. I'm blown away by how Steve was blown away by the phone blown call. Away. What was he expecting? You know, I'm, I'm wondering, what was he expecting going into that phone call? And let's bring in Kadri Ismael here because he's waiting to give us practice reports. Let's bring him in for the final uh, end of this segment and then we'll get to practice yeah. reports in just a bit. Q just listened to Mr. Peshawdi. We just, I just listened for the first time. I'm sure Q did as well. Sarah's listened to this a couple of times. That was pretty interesting stuff, Q. Yeah.
5: And just, we didn't listen to it in warp speed. So that was good. We, we could
2: hear it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Sarah, you know,
1: I have, by the way, I definitely started recording it on warp speed and I caught myself. So you're welcome, everybody. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> that's right. We're in a twilight zone somewhere. People are like, whoa, you know, but yeah. one of the things that I think immediately stuck
5: out to me when you hear guys talk about organizations and, and how other organizations are, and then you say, wow, you know, the Ravens organization is a great organization to play for. That is the reason why it's such a great organization to play for. Um, Literally, I know the moment Art Modell, um, you know, gave partial ownership to Steve Bresciotti, you know, Mr. Modell brought out the Bashadis, his wife, him, and at that time his uh, young si- uh, sons. And, you know, literally it was cool because they, whenever they he's shaking your hand, like looking you in the eye and giving you such a, a great, you know, firm handshake. And, uh, you know, I, I just think over the years, uh, Mr. Bashadi has been consistent as a, an owner, as a person who, you know, really prides himself on, on having, you know, the the right culture, if you will, uh, within the organization. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me from an Odell Beckham standpoint, because that's all I ever heard was just how awesome of a person he, he has been as a teammate and on and off the field. So, yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me that, you know, they would hit it off so well.
1: Well, what, what really struck me is that he was like, oh, this is a leader, and he said, well, you know, some people might scoff at that. But what's funny is literally once he was signed, his leadership skills right away kicked in because we all remember that OBJ looked into the camera and said, Lamar, if you're watching, I'd really love to play with you, bro. And then three weeks later, Lamar signed. Now, obviously, there are other factors also, including the fact that they had been negotiating. They were getting close to terms. Jalen Hurts happened uh, We before you came on um, uh, you he taught talked about the deadline of the draft. So there were other factors, but don't underestimate how much Lamar wanted OBJ in Baltimore. He had requested that they look into it. And so the fact that OBJ immediately like within hours of putting Uh, pen to paper, he's already recruiting the very quarterback that the Ravens had failed to sign in over two years. So, yeah, the leadership skills were kicking in. So one last quote that I took from this interview, and then Q, we're so excited to hear about your takeaways from practice over the last two days. But um, there was a moment in there that the guys at XM Radio were about to talk about John Harbaugh, and I don't know where they were going to go with it. But Bashadi quickly interrupts, and look where he steers the conversation about Lamar about, excuse me, John Harbaugh.
3: John Harbaugh today, it's, I, I like. How's John? I, John's looking pretty young he's, these days. He for, seemed in he's good spirits. Good. Huh? He's, he's looking 16th good. year.
4: Yeah. Well, he's 60 now. He looks terrific. And he did, just looks at ease. He, I, I think he feels good about this team. Yeah. This part. So to the point about his age, and I made this point the other day, Pete Carroll, my guy, and Andy Reid and Belichick, and now John, the older guys, you know, the the secret is they can still relate to young people. It's not their age. Those guys, the players, don't see him as old. They see him yeah, as no, communicators don't. and good guys that, that yeah. are going to help win games. Yeah. So the age thing is a myth in my mind. If you if you have the right person,
3: and and you don't get there unless you're the right person, you don't last. You know, it's like uh, he has a very relatable personality. Um, you know, we talk a lot about empathy. Yeah. I think it's a very, very strong and powerful word, but you have to internalize it. And I think that John truly uh, puts himself in the, the minds of these young guys. And um, uh, so that never gets old. I mean, wise old men you have been around forever, and they're the ones that you rely on for, uh, you know, uh, advice and and deep thought, and John's a deep thinker, and he's he's uh, he shows these guys that he cares about them. Yep, he, and he's
4: he's young. He's young in his the way he thinks about the game. He, they, some guys, even even the, the average fan wouldn't understand this. They think a football coach would never want to retire, or never want to quit, or never lose touch with it. Mm-hmm. Most of them, they run out of
3: gas. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's John has not run out of gas. You know, that's the cool thing is.
2: So year 16, that makes him the the third longest tenured head coach in the NFL behind Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin. There's only a year difference, as you both know, between Tomlin and Harbaugh in Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Uh, But I think what you guys can probably speak on better than I can because I wasn't here during the mutiny, is is this, the evolution of... <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. man, he's, man.
1: he's losing it.
5: <laughs> well, I mean, I to, just to jump in, like that jazz was real. Yeah. And
1: <laughs>
5: you guys had on sound from who was I, I forget the guy uh, who was telling his stories about his playing. And then he was saying about when he was on special teams and kickoff return, and John cursed him out or whatever. And he oh, was like, yeah. Dan yeah. Brown. Okay, Dan Brown. Right. Well, Dan Brown, that story was nothing <laughs> compared to what John, uh, when he first got here. But see, here's the thing, though. When when you know Mr. Rashadi was saying how you don't last if you're not relatable, and when I look at like an Andy Reed or Mike Tomlin and, and to a, a, a certain degree, you know, Bill Belichick, I mean, Bill, he's got a resume that, you know, you ain't getting rid of him, but you know, in, in, in their heart of hearts, you know, these are men who, yeah, they want you to succeed. They love the game of football. They know how to coach it and do it. Right. And I think from Steve Bishotti's own words, one of the things that was a disconnect to my coach, Brian Billick, was that he he kind of somewhere lost that connection that he had with the guys. And it was me, Brian, you, everyone else. Now, with the mutiny, <laughs> all of Brian's energy of doing things, whether it be the single-digit numbers uh, different practice jerseys, different practice habits, all those things that guys started getting away with, you know, those guys got so used to it. And John came in and it was like, nah, uh-uh. he comes from such a family coaching tree that it's like, now this is how we're doing things. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, it was, it was some, a lot of MF and a lot of staring each other down and, and who's going to blink first. But I remember, um, you know, Jimmy Smith and I we were talking, and he was even saying he said in his retirement speech as well. But in our talk, he and I were talking. He's like, "Yeah, man, John over the years definitely grew as a person, and you could see where you know he molded his game uh, and and his teachings and his coaching style to fit you know the different generation of guys that came through that locker room." So my first interaction real quick with John was I'm sitting on the sideline at training camp. You know, Kevin Byrne was like, ah, Kaji, you're, you're, you know, you're one of us. You can go right down the middle of the field and do whatever. I was like, I'm not going to take advantage of it, but I'm going to just kind of sit there. So I'm just watching and John like humbly comes over to me. Obviously he, his brother and I, we play uh, with one another and in, in, in different points, uh, different, different teams. So he comes over and introduces himself and says, hey, man, what's going on? How you doing? And he just sits there and goes, so what do you think? And, I I mean, you could just feel the tension. And I was like, honestly, you're what's needed for this team. And I think eventually the guys will come around. And he kind of just sat there. He goes, you think so? He goes, yeah, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time, but I think so too. And then he kind of just, you know, shook my hand and walks away. And that was the start of my quote unquote interactions with John. Obviously I've interacted with him a heck of a lot more since, you know, being on the radio uh, broadcast team with him and interacting with there. But yeah, he's matured and grown throughout the years.
1: Well, and just, just to piggyback off of that. So I did the man of the crowd podcast, which was all about the Harbaugh family has eight episodes. And I interviewed over 30 people, including Steve Bishotti. What John Harbaugh did when he first got there is what Bishotti wanted him to do. Bishotti did not like how it was two different teams, which is what Brian Billick had kind of fed into. He was like, Mm -hmm. the defense is better. The offense, you better not screw it up for us. And it had emboldened Mm -hmm. the defensive players. And obviously, they were one of the best of all time. But Steve Bishotti wanted a team. And so he hired John Harbaugh to come in there and be hard. So he was exactly what Steve Bishotti asked him to be. Then once he got that and he got them to be a team again and respect him as a head coach that's when Harbaugh was allowed to evolve and then start listening more. And so when Steve Bichotti was saying there in that quote that he's empathetic, I've, I've seen both sides of Harbaugh. I've seen him be mad. He's been mad at the website. when We were over there, but he, to his credit, he also listens. So literally in a, in a, in a span of just 10 minutes of talking, he can start off angry, but if you come up and you have like your ducks in a row and you're able to say what you want to say, he does listen. I've seen the empathetic side too. So people try to create this narrative of, of, of him being one or the other, but he literally is both for the moments that it that that call for either one. And then them saying he never runs out of gas, he is literally relentless. Like when he has them put that on their their t-shirts, that's who John Harbaugh is. I don't know how he doesn't lose the passion, but he literally is relentless and competes in everything. From breakfast to going to bed at night, he's figuring out some sort of competitions and he's not running out of gas 16 years in at all.
5: You have a vantage point, Sarah, because you probably saw that from his dad. Like, when I see Jack, I see John, and I see, you know, just like, I'll give you a prime example. Like, he was always like, hey, man, family, you know, we, 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 we're coaches, but we got to bring our family around. Well, when I was a part of the uh, broadcast team and I would do uh, my rate, my, I had a couple of radio shows. So one of my radio shows was on a, a, a Monday night and I went over to the castle to, to do it. And so I had to bring my crew. And so Kalea, Kadri and Kadir were like, you know, right along with me. I was like, all right, guys, you can't be loud. <laughs> no running around. Dad is going to be in radio, but you got to be quiet. <laughs> <Yeah>. And so <laughs> we get there, we walk through, and sure enough, John walks around a corner and goes, Oh, hey, who do we got here? So I introduce them. He goes, Hey, got you know what? There's like this big indoor facility. You could run around in there. And then we got dumped. He didn't know, obviously, when I was a player, that my kids was like, oh, you know, every facility had its gum. I don't know why, but whatever. Anyway, my kids was all about that gum. Man, as soon as he left, my kids was like, yeah. They, they were like, yeah, dad, whatever. It's all out the window. They ran down the hallways and it was like, yeah. I was like, hey, hey. gee, thanks, John, for it. But I think that comes from his dad and the way in which he instilled upon him how to be a coach, how to obviously make it, you know, about your family because I think if your family life is secure and in order and intact, it makes you a better coach. It makes you a better football player. And you obviously want to put yourself in a position where you have a better chance of winning football games
1: he's He's a big family man, and uh, I just got the feeling once again from listening to Steve that he loves John. And it would take a mm. lot for him to let him go. Sixteen mm. years. Uh, I mean, something bad would have to happen, but I think he's gonna go many more years. I think Bashotti wants to have one of the leg- longest tenured coaches mm. in NFL history. but let's let's us uh, let's switch gears here. <laughs>
2: well hey let, one quick note on the relentlessness and then we'll get into Rashad and, okay and, and okay and to, to heck with the length of this episode I mean people are <laughs> the, length, want,
1: the length is gone already yes
2: people are going to get what they want in this one Q everybody's been hitting us up in the comments go the full hour go the full we just might tonight let's see what happens yeah. <laughs> so, I to-
5: get, can I can I just can I just be Kadri for a second and say part of what he was uh, Mr. Rashad was saying as far as oh wow or even uh, Pat and and um, he was saying about how uh, young John is looking, and John, you know, I, I went up to the podiums every single time this year, and he definitely does look, you know, a lot fitter uh,
2: because F minus is out the building. Continue on, go ahead. <laughs> That's right, you been, you were wait. I knew you were going to go in that direction. And remember, Steve Saunders, <laughs> who you just referred to there, is he's on record for saying that he tortured. John into the shape that he's in. Now, my one quick note on the relentlessness I used to spend about a year ago, I used to spend every other weekend to a year and a half or so ago in the County with my ex. And on Saturday mornings for like a month, I got up around 6am and went to this workout Now, for John's privacy. I'm not going to say the actual workout place, but I walk in there and there he and Ingrid are, and they're ripping it like this guy It's 6am on a Saturday. I walk in like, you know, completely groggy, and these guys are ready to rip it. And, and they're, they're in their early 60s, right? Or, or at least John is. And the guy is is keeping up with all the 20-somethings in there. So if that doesn't show, I mean, on a Saturday, no less. So uh, maybe some of that has to do with just having his own privacy at that time with not a lot of people in there. But I was shocked. Anyway. On- Get right at
5: minus. Good things happen.
2: You've been out at one winning drive over the last couple days. We got a bunch of notes that that we want you to share with us. Let's begin with Rashad Bateman. He's officially been activated off of the pup list after missing the first 12 days of camp. We know with that foot issue. So what were your observations?
5: Basically, like, (laughs) not that it was nothing uh, in a sense. I mean, he was out there. Uh, I I think it was just... Uh, slowly putting them back into the the mix um definitely didn't see him in any kind of scrimmage situation there was a, a heck of a lot of scrimmage in the day uh full pads you had them on um but yeah it was just you know kind of what you're seeing as far as just the individual drills and um but it was good it was good to see him out there It was good to see him running around I think that was a, a positive start to the day as far as getting Rashad back out there. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
4: What
0: would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: So we're sitting here looking at the, for the audio only uh, people. We're just looking, Rashad Bateman, when he came onto the field, uh, he was greeted by a huge hug from uh, Keith Williams, one of the wide receiver coaches over there. And then uh, he, a lot of a lot of the other receivers giving him a high five, hugging him, welcoming him back out on the field, all smiles. I mean, it is a big moment for him. I mean, it's just huge for him. He's been, I-, I guarantee nobody was looking forward to this day more than him. He's just been so frustrated with the injuries, wants to show what he can prove. And then there's just showing him doing some drills there. Um, again, Q, he's not in the team, he's not in the team warmups. But looking at him here, just kind of doing some ladders, kind of like, you know, just getting off the line and, and burst. You see any lingering uh, issues here with, with his, uh, again, because you're also a trainer, not just a former wide receiver in the NFL. How do you feel like he's moving?
5: Yeah, so what you are seeing is receiver-specific movement patterns. And, you know, what I think is is really critical is every time he decelerated – you didn't necessarily see necessarily a limp or anything that looked at. He was a uh, favorite it when the ball was up in the air. And this is hypercritical when the ball is up in the air and you're able to just snatch it out of the air without worrying about your foot, like right there. I mean, that is everything that, that says an awful lot. Um, to be able to snatch the ball and just keep on running, uh, to be able to just roll out of your 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 break the way you were able to roll out it with such tremendous force, you know, that says an awful lot as far as where he's at in the mix. Now, tomorrow is going to be big because it's whether or not you can, you know, as John and them have been saying for quite a few seasons now, can you stack days you know, can you stack a practice on top of another practice on top of another practice? That's what's, you know, kind of tells me if you're ready or not, you can, you know, now I'm not trying to you know, downgrade this. I'm saying any, anybody that's coming back and feeling really good, they're going to have fresh legs. They're going to be feeling awesome. But training camp, part of it is, you know, you get that, that callus buildup, if you will, of, of just your body being used to, you know, being hit and all that. And, Buffering yourself, getting ready for football, um, yeah, it's it's the next few practices that's really going to determine. And then you know, seeing how he feels when he goes with the uh, team, and 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 if they put him back in with the Commanders uh, practices, I think that's going to be like the the real telltale sign.
2: So J.K. Dobbins, the lone player that remains on the pup list right now. We know Harbs is is hopeful that he's going to be back soon. Tyus Bowser is on the NFI. Did you see him around? What do you make of that situation right now, especially as the Ravens start to flirt with a bunch of these these potential pass rushers? We know Jadavion Clowney, according to Josina Anderson, Mm -hmm. remained in Baltimore as of late last night. That's Wednesday night. The Ravens have – there's also reports out there that they have extended him an offer. So – what do you make of that situation with Bowser? And we also know that you shared your feelings, uh, perhaps being a little bit of lu- a little bit lukewarm on the clowny stuff.
5: Well, I mean, as far as Tyus, I, I hadn't seen him out there, um, you know, in in any capacity. So he could be very well working out uh, inside and in the indoor facility. So, you know, that's not necessarily a good or a bad thing. It's just it's just what it is. He's obviously, I I hadn't physically seen him. Um, At the same time, you know, from a bigger picture with Jadavia Clowney, I mean, I think that, you know, when I say locker room chemistry, so it wasn't that, for example, um, because Sarah and I, we would go back and forth on this about Odell and, you know, you've been pro Odell and I was like, ah, yeah, you know, I'm kind of lukewarm on it. And the reason why I was lukewarm on it and, you know, not necessarily – um thinking that he'd be a good fit was because of the Greg Roman system. The Greg Roman system didn't feature him or feature much passing in general. And so now all of a sudden, you know, you got this, you know, this, you know, this thoroughbred awesome football player that you could utilize, but you know, the system doesn't fit him. You know, after a while, you know, there's one thing you could block all you want, but I'm here to, you know, catch balls and score touchdowns. So there would have been a little bit of something there that would have led to to some frustrations. Um, With Jadavian, you know, I I kind of feel the same way. I feel like, you know, Jadavian is all about Jadavian. And, (laughs) you know, when you're talking Miles Garrett, you know, that dude is Mr. Franchise there in 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 Cleveland and you talking smack about him, well, what the hell? Like, I don't want you here. <laughs> like, I mean, no, I, I don't. I, I I you got young guys that I think they 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 from what I saw in practice, um, whether from the stadium practice to current day, you got these young dudes that are hungry and you got these young dudes that you could see that You know they're they're talking and they're working and they're they're holding one another accountable you know I don't want some dude coming up in there thinking he all that and tripping on me that that's where I'm kind of like throwing caution to the wind
1: yeah yeah I mean I as a football player I mean he's obviously not the number one overall pick expectations that we all have but as a football player it's like you know if if he came in with the right attitude then great I mean he, he can certainly contribute and contribute in significant ways but yeah i was taken aback by by some of the comments he had and what was going on over there so um q take us a little bit more into practice today or uh, today meaning wednesday yeah wednesday um there was it was a padded practice what did you see in terms of physicality and like what 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 kind of stuck out to you
5: well Okay, let's just say it this way. (laughs) I saw all these hits, and it was funny. Like, Patrick Queen, I I think he had – I think he's a little bit, you know, ticked off personally. Um, Your boy – let me go ahead and and, uh, make sure I'm not doing a siren and jacking up a dude's name. So (laughs) let me go ahead and (laughs) – John Simpson – John Simpson got like the better of him. Uh, what was it? A few practices ago, and they kind of got up into each other's grill. Well, this practice, like, bruh, he he got literally like bench pressed to the ground, and and it was it was bad. Like John Simpson, like mother of pearl. I I don't, I don't know. He he, I something think- happened, but. I think it was um either I think it was either Jeremiah Moon or uh Christian Christian Welsh who did the damage. Them dudes, them linebackers weren't messing around a day. Yeah. And it was led by Patrick Queen. It was led by Roquan. You saw Mark Andrews pointing over there after the one hit on uh, his his uh, his rookie tight end and he was like you know he was just chirping but they were chirping right back and John and all the other coaches like good let it happen um but there was a lot of scrimmaging um a lot more than I I I, I just was like ah yeah they will like, oh wow this is another scrimmage 1v1 this wasn't like ones versus twos you know uh threes get in there and no this was there was a lot of uh scrimmaging um today. So <laughs> linebackers weren't having it. And uh, it was good to see. It was good to see, you know, kind of like that, that physical nature. There weren't a lot of, matter of fact, there weren't any big runs. Like they were running the football and I'm telling you, I don't know if Roger Washington was like, yo fellas, <laughs> let's just go out there. We just going to show them why we do, what we do dinners on me. because I mean, Like you just did not see the offense from the upfront aspect of things, um get much traction. It was a very defensive day, in my opinion.
1: How is the offensive line in your in your mind? Obviously, you saw John Simpson in there running with the ones. Are you feeling comfortable with the offensive line after seeing him today with, with pads? Wednesday?
5: I mean, I you know, I, I think they they did well. They did uh like it was interesting a couple of times you could see where i mean he's a mountain of a man and and he you know he comes out that line of scrimmage and he just he takes up space but footwork wise i'm like oh god you know like he, he you, you can't be top heavy like i'm like bro we trying to throw that ball down the field you, you gotta you gotta you gotta you know do some protection um but but you know, hopefully it gets better. Hopefully it gets better in that regards. I think the offensive line, there just, I, 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 there wasn't a lot of, you know, runs that were at, at the second level. It just seemed like, you know, it was like they were getting stuffed uh, at the point of attack. So that was something, whether or not that's a running back issue um, or an offensive line issue or a combination of both, you know, I'm sure the uh, the meeting rooms are going to be filled with a lot of uh, people getting salty, but I think, you know, by and large, I think the offensive line, you know, you give me Tyler Linderbaum, you give me Ronnie Stanley as anchors,
2: uh, Morgan Moses, all that, bam, we're good. All right, Q, we don't want to keep you longer than what we talked about initially. Plus, you're standing up for this, so go, go, you know, take a load off, and uh, I'm sure, I'm sure. By the way, I'm sure your footwork is perfect right now. Everything's fully balanced, right? What is feet it? Again? Straight
5: feet, straight inside ankle bone high. The outside edges of my feet are carrying it and therefore I'm in my back chain, allow myself to stand. I was just out in the studio. I'm at uh, WJZ studios, just finished taping a show. So at the same time, yes, I like to stand. So I have a good, strong posture, all those good things. But uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Sarah, you're doing an awesome job with just butchering everybody's names. Prior to the people,
2: <laughs> he's on one tonight for you sarah
1: he he's just salty because his boy isn't gonna be he's not gonna win his bet with me so he's trying to i don't to talk about to it. Like I stick it to me but like clearly i know tight end football better than q so it's all good
2: <laughs> hey we got the time stamp on those suckers too we're going back to that stream just so you know q <laughs>
5: <laughs> I am so mad right now. Like, Charlie Kohler, like, I'm like, son of a. Like, it was such a physical practice day. The one time he caught the ball, whoa, 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 like, he got hit and the ball came out. I'm like, Kadri, don't say anything. Yesterday, it wasn't even a physical practice. And like, the one time, I'm like, Lamar throwing the ball where he could catch it. I was just like, come on, it's somebody. Help me. Oh, oh, wow. He caught the ball. Hey, look, guy. Okay. Everybody's looking at me like, okay, God, Wait, wait, you know, I'm gonna get my 88 Jersey. I'm sporting my Kohler. That's what's up. What
1: you need to do is get your pink tux ready is what you need to do. (laughs) That's
2: right. That's right. right. I can just picture you trying not to get animated on the sidelines. Right. (laughs) Oh goodness. All right. All right
1: Q. Good to have you, buddy.
2: Thanks you guys. Talk soon. Cadre Ismael, always nice and kind to to drop by and give some perspective from training camp and, and obviously uh, get after you a little bit from the from the name. Point. I let
1: the first jab go. I just laughed, but then when he tried it again, I was like, "All right, here
2: we go." Oh, that was good. That was really good. <laughs> he mentioned one guy that we're going to move on to next before we get to Ross Tucker, and that's Broderick Washington, who just earned a three-year contract extension from the Ravens. Uh, this is according to Aaron Wilson, NFL reporter. Defensive tackle, Roderick Washington and the Ravens 17 and a half million. Uh, it's a deal that includes 6.3 million combined in signing and option bonuses with 10 million total guaranteed for the former Texas tech standout. This is a former fifth round pick back in 2020. He is viewed as an ascending player. So much. So Calais Campbell joked back in April after signing with Atlanta quote, I told Broderick Washington, man, you're playing so good. You're going to get me cut. That's what he told him at the beginning of last year. Uh, He's a great young player, he says, and he certainly stepped up in a big way, Sarah, and um, earned every single penny. And it's great to see somebody that was a fifth-round pick develop within the system uh, within this defensive system, and now earn what, what what we all feel like he deserves.
1: Yeah, I mean it's basically a three year extension for fifteen because it, that's the new money, on top of what he's still going to earn this last year on his his rookie contract. I mean, this is what this is like a a Chuck Clark type of thing, right? Where you get a late round pick, Chuck was six six round, Broderick's fifth round, but you get a guy who just like is excelling and you want to grab him before he hits the free agent market at the end of his his last year where he could be more expensive. And so you get the deal done early and it's uh, just over 5 million. You've got your defensive tackle. You get a guy who's, as Kadri just said, not even letting these running backs come up the middle. Um, And uh, he's just, he's an underrated Raven. He's one of those guys that's just completely underrated for years. He's been a workhorse getting stuff done, um, allowing the Ravens to move on from some big veteran names. And uh, this is a well-deserved day for him.
2: Patrick Queen made sure to treat him accordingly in the locker room afterwards.
4: Hey, hey, big freaking money. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. I'm, hi, I'm hi- trying to get
2: like you, bro. Highest, highest meal.
4: Everything is different. <laughs>
2: Trying to get like you, bro. He had his fifth, fifth year option decline, but I guess linebacker money is decent money. And we know that PQ, it's only a matter of time that he's going to get paid. It's just a matter of what franchise this time next year, right? But uh, congratulations to Broderick Washington. Like you said, a lot of his stuff doesn't necessarily, what makes him underrated is that a lot of his impact isn't measured within the box score. So yep. it's cool to see somebody that, that kind of is your classic doing the small things between the lines in the trenches get rewarded for what he's done. Okay, Ross Tucker. This got the people going a little bit, just (laughs) as I thought it might, which is exactly why I tweeted it out. 105.7 The Fan, the big bad morning show here locally in Baltimore, had Ross Tucker on. He's a former offensive lineman turned national football analyst. He just had Steve Saunders on his podcast last week, which we shared for you. He is not in on the 2023 Ravens, and here is a snippet from his interview with The Fan.
6: Here's what the Ravens are selling me right now, Okay. They are selling me that a team that success has been primarily based on the quarterback-centric run game and the passing off of it, the play-action passing off of it. They're selling me on like a spread offense now where a quarterback who hasn't been great during his career in obvious passing situations that – as Lamar said, more throwing, less running. Are we sure that's a good thing? I mean, who's he throwing it to? A guy that didn't play it down last year? A guy, I mean, has Bateman even practiced this year? I, mean, I don't even know if Bateman, is he on the team? Um, and a rookie. Like, those are his receivers? That's what, so what you're selling me is, and by the way, the O-line is an O-line that had been designed as a run-blocking O-line. And now we're gonna throw it all over the place out of a spread with the same O line with those with those three guys as the main receivers. A guy I don't know if Bateman's on NFI or IR or P I, I lose track of what list Bateman's on. Oh, and by the way, the running back isn't practicing or isn't happy. They say the defense will be really good. I think it has a chance, but those guys, Ajabo, Oway, they need to step up. I mean, Rock Yassin, is he really the second corner opposite Marlon Humphrey? I just, I think I had the Ravens at 9 and 8. I mean, I think they'll be fine. I just, somebody, somebody has to be in last place in that division. Somebody has to not win that many games. I had the Ravens at 9 and 8 not making the
2: playoffs. All right, let me get you some reaction here to this. Again, Ross Tucker, courtesy of the fan there in my mentions. Here, here are a few things that came in. At S.G. Ellison, Ravens have done a lot more with a lot less. At Ravens for Dummies, our guy Spencer Schultz. They made the playoffs with Deshaun Jackson and Sammy Watkins. Cole Jackson. Are they better than Seth Roberts? Asking for Ross. Matt Jurgensen. Typical national guy opinion. Did he even prep for the interview? I, mean, I can go on if you want me to. There's plenty. Of, these have been pouring in. Our girl Rita at the NFL Chick. They've made the playoffs with Les literally just a year ago. Dev uh, how do you pronounce Dev's last name again? Pantois. Besides some of the other points being questionable, I'm lost about his point about a rookie wide receiver. We live in a world where rookie wide receivers do well without a second thought. Most recently, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Garrett Wilson, and Alave last year. Hashtag Ravens flock. So it did kind of seem like he was underprepared a little bit, a little bit of a lazy interview hit. He can be a polarizing guy there. Um, Look, I, Nine and eight to me is I do have, I'm going to have them around double digits. If they still, if they stay healthy, we're going to do our predictions. I'm sure at some point before week one. So I'm not sure. Like, I think I got them right around 10 wins. Spoiler alert. So I'm not, I'm not like, I don't think he's far off with that. I think it's going to be a tough schedule, but some of the reasoning as to why the Ravens can't be what we all feel like they can be this year. seemed like they're off base. What do you think?
1: It's just funny because he took what question you have for each receiver. I mean, yes, Odell Beckham Jr. He's coming off that ACL. He's over 30 or 30, and so can he? Yes, like the rookie is a rookie, and Odell Beckham Jr., he's been injured, all that. So he took a question for each person and answered it in the negative. And I'm just not betting on the Ravens on in each one of those instances that the answer to the question for each guy is going to be that he tanks or that he doesn't measure up or he doesn't live up to the, you know, or that, or that the, you know, the offensive line can't, can't pass protection. In fact, that one's probably my biggest question, but it's like, sorry, but one of those guys are going to hit like Odell. It's not going to be Odell and Zay and Rashad and Aguilar and Mark Andrews all get injured and nothing's going to be happening. And, it's not going to be that while all that's going on, J.K. Dobbins is never going to play. Like, all of those scenarios are not going to happen in the negative. Now, Ravens fans will oftentimes go the up opposite direction and be, take all those questions and be like, oh, 100%, all of, them's, all of it's going to hit. The Ravens don't need all of it to hit, though, to be successful, which is what my mentioned back to you comment was and all the other people that you read. Like, those that follow the Ravens and have been following him throughout the Lamar Jackson era – Yes, he's got a 73.8% win rate in the regular season. 73.8%. That is number two in the entire NFL. And he's done it with way worse, way worse surrounding cast than what he's got right now. So 9-8, and listen, unless there's another injury season from hell with Lamar Jackson healthy, one or two of those receivers healthy, Keep one of those running backs healthy. They're gonna be double digits and they're gonna be in the playoffs. And the question is gonna be is do they have enough if Odell's healthy to get over that hump? That to me is the only question. Not nine and eight, unless they're injured.
2: Yeah. And realistically, not every you know, real realistically, not everything that he thinks is gonna go wrong will go right. Right. Maybe one or Correct. two of those things could go south. And that's just the reality of of the grind of an NFL season. You got to hope for only one or two of them. And if that's the case, we both feel like they're a double-digit win kind of team. That's the way that they're built. On to quick hits before we finish things up. I'm going to add one here just because Ian Rappaport gave an update on J.K. Dobbin's status, and then we'll talk a little bit about Clowney, and then we'll finish things up with punter Jordan Stout. J.K. Dobbins would like a new deal and there have been conversations between his agent Zach Hiller and the Ravens to try to get something happening.
5: I don't get a sense they're close at all. And so J.K. Dobbins has been on the PUP list, has not been practicing with the kind of injury that probably could be solved with a new contract. However, there is a chance that he comes back to practice soon. No deal is imminent, but they could see him out at practice to try to kind of turn the focus toward the season a little bit. Meanwhile, the Baltimore Ravens had an interesting free agent visit yesterday to devion clowny was in the building i know there's been some conversations between, between his agent and the ravens time will tell if they were able to get something done but you know it seems every year
2: the ravens have a late preseason pass rush addition that could be clowny this year all right so as we mentioned earlier on in the episode clowny according to josina anderson's not only Uh, Still in Baltimore at the time of this taping, but there has been an offer extended. We don't know what the amount is. We don't know what the duration is. You'd have to think it's a one-year deal. At this point, again, he is 30. He is at the tail end of his career, you would think, but hopefully he's got more left in the tank, and perhaps the Ravens go in on him rather than uh, Kyle Van Noy, who they've been flirting with in recent weeks as well. Jordan Stout, second-year Ravens punter, of course, has made a pretty solid transition from... One of the greatest ever come through the doors in Sam Cook, who is still uh, on the staff as a consultant. And now to again, a a young player. He talked about his abilities outside of punting during his press conference on Wednesday. I'm going to toot my own horn and I won't much. I'm pretty humble, but I'm a really good holder. And, and, you know, Sam, Sam, Sam was great. He he taught me a lot. Randy as well. So it's been great. He's a funny guy.
1: He's funny. That was funny. It's just, it was so quick, but you have to get to know his personality uh, better. It was just hilarious. I'm not going to toot my own, own horn, at least not much. Um, but but it's funny because right before that, Randy Brown, his coach, literally said, I think he's the best holder in the league. And as soon as you think back to times like Tony Romo, you know, ruining a, hold, a holding, you know, you just – or a hold you you don't care about the stuff until it, it, there's a disaster but he also talks about how he went to like an NFL he went to a place where there's a bunch of other punters so he could measure himself and he's like oh yeah I'm really good at punting too and he's like last year I you know he was new so he wasn't as confident he's like oh I've got my confidence back he's like this is gonna be great so I, he's just like oozing with confidence which I really enjoyed and it's not much different from his fellow kicker in Justin Tucker
2: yeah, you he, know, he's too funny. It's the fact that he teams up with Justin, they got dynamic personalities. I ran into Jordan and his girlfriend at Preakness and they were having a good old time. They they travel the world. They've had an awesome off season together. So he is one of those like young, vibrant, like youthful guys that that I'm sure like is a shot and shot in the arm to that room. Not that that room needs it, right? With With right. our guy Nick Moore, unfortunately, who went down with that Achilles a little while ago. But Justin, as we know, is a a dynamic personality to say the very least in it in himself, as always, we wanted to shout out and thank two of our returning patrons who are supporting all of our efforts here inside the vault through Patreon this month. So Joe Bonzel, Jason Barrett, shout out, both of you guys, thank you for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. And gosh, now that it's football season, we've mentioned this the last couple of days, we often hear from a lot of you, how can we help? You know, we don't have a ton to give, but how can we help? We feel like Patreon is is a great way to do that, whether it's $1.99, $4.99. I'm talking like $1.99, $4.99. You know, we have so many different opportunities all the way up to $49.99 where you can actually sponsor an entire episode of ours on a monthly basis. Maybe you're a small business owner. We have a, a bunch of folks who do that with us on a monthly basis, and it's much appreciated. It's a great way to show your support, and it's a great way for us to, to kind of show our appreciation to what you do. So anyway, patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast is where you can learn more about all of what we're offering. And as always, you can find all that information in our show notes partner again, to heck with the duration on this one. You're welcome out there. This is what you've wanted. Hopefully we haven't ticked anybody off with the length of this one, but uh, you know, Hugh's such a great storyteller. I'll finish with just one takeaway. I loved what he had to say about the first time that he met, john harbaugh and the humility that john showed to essentially say almost like ask for a stamp of approval you know what do you think i thought that was cool i hadn't heard that before and q's full of those which is why we bring him on and and his generosity is all obviously you know much appreciated
1: yeah it was good stuff from q good practice updates he doesn't have me feeling great about the offensive line but i'm sure that's a work in progress
2: Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll continue to monitor what Pat Ricard's role may or may not be up and down the offensive line. Perhaps we could see him getting some work in at guard. Who knows? But that is something to to look out for in the coming weeks. Preseason football right around the corner. The Eagles come to town on Saturday, the 12th. So um, it is the 12th, right? Today's I think it's the 12th. Yeah, Saturday, the 12th. Ravens, Eagles, preseason football begins. We will have coverage afterwards and, of course, leading up to over the next couple days. So, for my, my co host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Thursday morning vault edition. We'll be back with you on Friday here inside the vault.